I'm pastor of small groups here at Rockbrook, and um, I'm excited to get to preach over the next couple of weekends about something I'm very passionate about, and that's small groups. And uh, this has also given Pastor Kelly a chance to plan for our Christmas week coming up, and uh, you're not going to want to miss these services. They're going to be fantastic. Uh, on December 19th and 20th is going to be our Christmas uh, weekend, So, and Pastor Kelly's going to preach on the greatest gift you will ever get, and then we're going to have a special Christmas Eve service, just one service, and it'll start at 6 p.m., and then the following weekend, Pastor Kelly is going to uh, deliver a message called, Let Earth Receive Her King. So uh, this is a great time to invite people to come to church with you, because it's uh, during the Christmas holidays, people are more receptive uh, to a, an invite to come to church, so we want to encourage you to do that, and let's just fill this place up and rock it out, okay, over the Christmas holidays. But yeah, amen. But uh, today's, today's sermon um, is for everybody in, in this room. It's for uh, those that aren't in a small group or celebrate recovery group yet. I say yet. And it's for those of you leading a small group. And it's for those that are members in a small group or a Celebrate Recovery group. And I hope that for you, a leader or a member, this may be a time to uh, re-energize you and refresh you about uh, why we do groups here at Rockbrook Church. And we're on part one of a two-part sermon series, and it's called To Gather, To Gather. And our theme verse is from Matthew 18.20. And I want us to read this verse together. Let's read it together. It's up on the screen. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now you may say that uh, if I'm by myself, is God not with me? No, that's not what the scriptures are talking about. Because the scriptures say, God will not leave you nor forsake you. But as we read the scriptures, uh, we see over and over that there there is power when Christians gather together in community. There's real power in biblical community, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, The importance of biblical relationships and what we call small groups. Now, what is a small group? Well, a small group is a group of people who reach out to others with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ so so that they can live out God's purpose for their life. It's God's people doing God's purposes in small groups. And you see the purposes in what we uh, Christians all around the world call the great verses. And there's two of them. And we have them hung up on the wall over here, the great commandment and the great commission. And uh, the great commandment, I'm going to read this for you. Uh, This is the what we're supposed to do as Christians. That's why they call it a commandment. Uh, Matthew 22 33 or 37 through 40, Jesus replied, so this is Jesus saying this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he says, but wait, there's another one. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus is saying here, he is saying that it's all about relationships. It's about loving God, and it's about loving our neighbor. And you, you might be like me, and you might ask, well, what does that look like practically? 
How do I love God and love my neighbor? What, what does that look like? And, and we see this right here in the Great Commission. It's the other great verse. This is the how we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. Jesus keeps it so simple. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he says, therefore, go and make disciples. And that's what we talk about, about evangelism. All Jesus wants me to do is go and say, hey, this is what I've done for you. Go tell other people and invite them in. And then we baptize them. And when we baptize somebody, what does that mean? Um, uh, Ryland talked about that. It means somebody has experienced life change. They have invited Jesus Christ into their life. They are part of the fellowship of the family. And then Jesus says, now command them. Teach them my, or he says, teach them my commands. And what's the command? To love God and to love my neighbor. Again, every bit, of, every bit about this is about relational Christianity. We're not talking about religious Christianity here. And Rockbrook small groups are the biblical community where we live out God's purposes together. Our small group vision here at Rockbrook is to see everybody from the core of our church to the ever-growing community connected into a healthy small group. We want to see everybody inside of our church walls and outside of our church walls connected into a healthy small group. Why is that? Because that means that's a huge indicator for us as a church that we are being inviting and that we are investing in other people. Because when God's people gather together for God's purposes, the right things happen. And in Rockbrook Small Groups, we do ESPN. Now, this does not mean we sit around and we watch ESPN, okay? No, we do ESPN and I needed to clarify that because I could just see our men's small group doubling in size over a misunderstanding. But let's look what, what ESPN means. We encourage and support one another in a small group. We share scripture in a small group. We pray for one another in a small group. And we next step. We help each other take our spiritual next step. In other words, we ask ourselves, what is the spiritual next step that's going to help me get closer to Jesus Christ? So here's what we do in small groups on a very foundational level. If somebody isn't saved, we want to get them saved. We want them to meet Jesus Christ. If they haven't been baptized, we want to get them baptized. If they haven't been to growth track, we want to encourage them to do that. Because growth track is just about uh, Christianity, the fundamentals of Christianity. And we want to teach them that. And then uh, if they're not on a dream team, we want to get them on the dream team. We want to get them serving. We want, we want to help them to find God's calling on their life. You know, small groups are about uh, biblical community. They are centered on God's word, and we pray for one another, and we support one another. We help each other live out God's purposes for our life. And I believe everybody in this room has the potential to lead a small group. I mean, you can do ESPN with other people. That's not hard. There are more possibilities in this room than we can imagine. And if we're going to reach everybody inside and outside these walls, we need people to lead small groups. And you can do that, ESPN. You know, here in a couple of weeks on December 19th, we're going to kick off our small group signups. 
And um, I not only encourage you to join a small group, in fact, I urge you, I strongly urge you to join a small group if you're not in a small group. But I also want to encourage you to look at the entire list of the small groups that we offer here, because you will see people unleashing God's uh, passion and gifts in in somebody's lives. These are leaders who are reaching out to other people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And we have recovery groups, we have books of the Bible groups, we have topical groups, we have men's groups, women's groups, married groups, single moms groups, teen groups, rock work for kids, small groups. I believe everybody in this room has the potential to lead a group, help somebody start a group, or perhaps maybe you would even like to be a a small group support coach. Now, a support coach is not an expert small group leader. They just do ESPN with our small group leaders because we want our small group leaders to be praying for their members, so we want to support our small group leaders. So a support coach has three leaders, and they just do ESPN with them. Why? Because where two or more gather in my name, there I am among them. But here's the problem. The problem for so many people is they're missing one thing. What is that one thing that they're missing in their life? They're missing the right relationships. So here's a key thought. It's there in your outline and up on the screen. You'll never do all God wants you to do without the right people in your life. So I want you to circle the right people because that's what we're talking about. I don't want you to misunderstand that I'm telling you not to hang around, um, you know, your, your non-Christian friends or anything, but your closest friends, your closest friends have to be the right people. Now you may say, Tom, I've got God. God isn't, isn't that enough? But when you look out, when you look throughout the scriptures, you're going to see that God uses God's people for God's purposes. And when they gather, when they gather together in community, there's real power. You know, you, you take all the way from the beginning to the end. You see this consistently taught in scriptures. You go all the way to Genesis and God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Why is that? Why is it not good for him to be alone? Because he needs somebody to find his car keys and tell him what to do. And if you look at Solomon, Solomon said, two are better than one. If one falls down, who can help him up? A buddy, a buddy can come along and help him up. And the opposite is true as well. Not only can the right people propel you in the right direction, but the wrong people can take you in the wrong direction. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, bad company or the wrong people will corrupt good morals or good character. I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about the five closest friends that you have. Who do you spend the most time with? You know, if you want to see the potential of your life, Look at the five most dominant relationships in your life. You know, take any area of your life. Take work. Let's say your five closest work buddies. They all hate their jobs. They hate the company. They hate the boss. They don't like this. They don't like that. They can't get ahead. Guess what? You're probably miserable at work. You can't stand your job. And your career has been capped because you've got a bad attitude. On the other hand, If the five people you work with, they say, hey, I believe if we serve our company as if we're serving the Lord and we honor our boss, you're going to have a whole different outlook on your your job and you have the potential to be promoted. You know, take your marriage. Let's say your five closest married friends, they've got messed up marriages. 
You know, the guys, uh, they, the guys, they go out together separately. The, the, the wives, they go out together separately. They're hanging around the opposite sec, sex. They're carrying on. Guess what? If those are your five closest friends, you're probably not going to have a very good marriage. But on the other hand, your five closest married friends, they love God. And the husbands, they're laying down their, their lives to serve their wives as Christ did the church. The wives come alongside their husbands. They respect their husbands. Guess what? If your five closest friends are like that, I promise you, you are, you are on your way to having a great marriage. Because these people are breathing life into you. You know, it, it, take your relationship with God. All your dominant friends. Maybe they're casual Christians at best. Maybe they're not Christians at all. You know, it, it, they're going to take you down the wrong road spiritually. But you hang around with the, the right people. People who make God their priority. You know, they, they're people of prayer. They go to church. They're in a small group. They're on the dream team, and they're, they're using their passions and their gifts to serve other people. If that's your five closest friends, guess what? You've got kingdom greatness in your life because of those people. You know, how's your small group doing? Is everyone complaining? You know, they don't like the study. They don't like the leaders. They complain about the church. They complain about the weekend service. They're complaining about the sermons. They're full of gossip. They show up half the time. Guess what? That group isn't going to experience the power and the presence of God. There's going to be no life change. Why? Because when God's people gather for the right reasons, the right things happen. It's important for our small groups to be intentional and to gather for the right reasons. Jesus said, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that we have perfect small groups. You know, if your expectation is that all, that all of our small groups are full of, of perfect Christians, of Bible scholars, and they're just praying all day and they don't have any issues, if that's your idea of our small groups, you're going to be very disappointed. Because, because people in our small groups, they're like you and I. You know, they're not perfect, but they're wanting to make progress in their spiritual journey. We say this all the time that discipleship happens in the context of relationships. They understand the power of God's word. They understand the power of biblical community because Jesus said, where two or more gather in my name, there I am among them. So I want to talk to you about the power of heart and soul relationships, of heart and soul relationships. I'm going to show you a story from the Old Testament that reminds me so much of many of the small groups that I've been in and and many of the small groups that we have here at Rockbrook. Let me give you the context. It's 1 Samuel. We're in the Old Testament. It's chapter 14. And there's three main players in this story. There's King Saul. uh, There's his son, Jonathan. And then there's Jonathan's uh, armor bearer. And the context is that the Israelites, they're oppressed. They're oppressed by the Philistines. The Philistines have come along and they've whooped up on them. And the, the Israelites, they're scared. They're hiding in caves. And 1 Samuel 14.1 says, one day. Everybody say with me, one day. One day. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now, how come he didn't tell his father? Well, King Saul was supposed to be a spiritual leader, not only as a father, but for the Israelites. Instead, he did not follow God's direction. 
He was very arrogant. And maybe um, some of you are here today, and you should have had somebody giving you spiritual direction. They should, they should have been a supporting role in your life. And you've missed out on something significant because they weren't there for you. Well, the Bible says that one day, one day, everything changed. Jonathan said, you know what? I'm not going to live this way anymore. Today's the day that it's going to change. I'm sick of where I'm at. You know, I can remember that day for me. My life was full of chaos. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was on my way to another divorce. I didn't know how to raise my kids. And I said, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of living this way. There's got to be another way. And so I invited Jesus Christ into my life and he changed my life. Jonathan said, I'm going to do something about these Philistines. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to be scared. And he says, and, and, and I pray that today is your day. I pray that, there, that you, everybody in this room, that today, that either you start out the right relationship by accepting Jesus Christ in your life, or you join a small group. You get the right people gather around you, and you, and, and you start to develop the right, right relationships in your life. Because let's be honest, the right relationships, they don't happen by a- accident. They take investment. They take sacrifice. They take time. They take a commitment. And so I want to I show you a few thoughts about the right people. And the first thing about the right people is this. The right people help us to navigate obstacles and temptations. Verse 4 says this as Jonathan sets out. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. So in order for Jonathan to go defeat these Philistines, they are, there's a cliff on both sides. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. Now Bozes means slippery. Sina means thorny. Isn't it interesting on the journey to do the things that God wants us to do, that we have to navigate the slippery slope of temptations or the thorny obstacles of our spiritual enemy? Think about this. If you don't have the right people in your life, as you're moving toward what God wants you to do, I promise you, you can be easily tripped up by temptation. Something's going to come along. It's going to get your attention. It's going to get your attraction. And it's going to distract you off of having the right relationship, being where God wants you to be. When the right people are there, they can speak correction. They can speak encouragement in your life. Sometimes they can kick you in the rear end and get you back on the right path. And the same is true of obstacles. You know, you run into challenges. And sometimes you think, I just don't know what to do. I wish somebody could help me. I've never been here before. Well, what's missing? You're missing the right relationships. You need people in your life that can help you get through those times. The second thing this text can teach us about the right people is that they help us overcome wavering faith. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I have a real strong faith, and then there are other times when my faith isn't so strong. You know, uh, watch Jonathan here. He almost struggles with this. He says in verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. In other words, let's attack. Then he says, what? He says, perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. In other words, I think, but perhaps. And then he says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. What do you see here? Well, Jonathan, he's struggling. 
He has a, one, he has a strong faith, and then he has some uncertainty. It's often what I'll say. I'll say, God is leading me to do this, I think. God has prompted me to do this, I think. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed and I said, God, I'll say, God, just give me a sign. Give me a sign. And then I think I get the sign and I think, oh, wait a minute. I'm not sure. God, give me another sign. Best two out of three. (laughs) But what you really need is you need the right people in your life to help you to to take a step of faith and and to do what God's put on your heart to do. You know, many of you, you have something. You have something you feel like God has laid it on your heart, but you don't have the courage to act. You need the right people in your life that say, I'm with you, I'll stand by you. And here's the heart of this whole message. What are the right people? The right people are with you, heart and soul. Circle that there on your outline, heart and soul. The right spiritual influence are are with you, heart and soul. And we're not talking about your your Google face, Insta chat, hashtag, let's do life together people either. You know, I'm talking about the people that you're with every day, you're face to face, their heart and soul, every bit of it. And Jonathan is like, he's like, let's do this, but I'm afraid. I think we can, but I'm not sure. And the armor bearer says this, this is awesome. He says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. You know, I love it that the scriptures don't give us the name of the armor bearer so that we don't get focused on a person. We can focus on the position of an armor bearer. Every single one of us can be an armor bearer for somebody. We can be that right person. We can be that heart and soul person. Whatever God has put on your heart, I'm going to be there for you. I'm not leaving you. Heart and soul, brother, I'm there for you. When you're afraid, I'll stand by you. When you're stupid, I'll correct you. You know, when you believe God has spoken, I'll confirm it. When you don't know what to do, I'll be your, your sounding board. When you're praying, I'm going to pray with you. You know, I don't know about you, but I want heart and soul people locking arms with me. When I'm struggling and I'm praying about something, whether it's my marriage or my kids, my finances, whatever it is, I want heart and soul people locking arms with me. And that's my small group. They're heart and soul. You know, you're going to go through tragedy in life or a difficult season. You will at some point in your life. And how do I know this? I want you to listen to what people in our small groups are praying for. They're praying for their marriage, for relational conflicts, rebellious child. They're praying for spiritual growth, their addiction, a family member's addiction, a friend's addiction, financial burden, loss of a loved one, loss of a close friend, for more peace, for their procrastination. Layoffs are coming. Laid off at my job. Finding a job. I'm overwhelmed by work. Long work hours. Finding a job that pays the bills. Family member is sick. Just been diagnosed with cancer. Need healing from cancer. Caring from a loved one with a terminal illness. A family member is in jail, going to jail, getting out of jail. High schoolers and teens are praying for the pressures of school, for papers due. And they're praying for their unstable family life. People are praying for their anger, their depression, their worry, their anxiety, their impatience. They want more love. They want more kindness. They want to know God's will for their life. 
They want to be reading their Bible more, being more consistent with small, with small group or their church. You know, can you relate to any of this? What you need is what these folks have. They have a small group. Someone who says, heart and soul, baby. I'm locking arms with you. We're going to get some godly counseling. We're taking this to God, and God is going to turn this into something good. The the evil one, he wants to use this for evil, and God is going to turn this into a testimony. Heart and soul. Listen to these praises coming from these same small groups. These are praises. You know, I always ask my small group leaders, don't just ask for prayer. Give praise to God when he answers those prayers. Here's some praises. My awesome family. Reconciliation with a family or a spouse. Having better relationship with God. I'm making better choices. Dad came to church with us. Relationship stored, restored with my kids. My daughter or son is getting married. My health is good. I had a successful surgery. My cancer is gone. Cancer is in remission. My medical test came back good. My biopsy test came back good. A friend joined our small group. A member joined the dream team. A member was baptized. I'm spending more time with God. I'm reading my Bible more. I'm praying more. I love my church. I love my small group. You know, look at the people in your life. When God's people gather together for God's purposes, the right things happen. It's so important you have the right people. That's the deepest thing. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. It's the body of Christ. Every member is a minister. It's the priesthood of believers. Heart and soul, baby. When you look at the New Testament, what do you see? You see biblical community. You see heart and soul Christians. You see those on the outside looking at the Christians and they're saying, I don't fully understand what they believe, but I want what they want. And what do they have? They have heart and soul. Now here's what I hear from people. I hear this a lot and they say, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be in a small group, but I don't have time for a small group. And I want to just say as humbly as I can, your schedule is no busier than the 563 plus people that were in a small group last semester. Their schedule is just as busy as yours. They have jobs, they have kids, they have family, they have homes, they have yard work, they have maintenance, they have bills. To be honest with you, none of us have time for a small group if we're going to do everything that comes our way. But we have to prioritize our lives. And we have to say, we want the right people in our life. We want the right relationships. You know, all we do, uh, those of us that are in small groups, we just mark our small group time on our calendar. We, may, we mark that day and that time, and we just commit to it like we do anything else. If something comes up, we just say, hey, sorry, I can't make it. I got to go to small group. And we do that because we value those relationships, those heart and soul relationships. Think about what kind of testimony that is to your kids or your family or your friends. Making your small group, heart and soul relationships your priority. Because when you have the right people gathered together for the right reasons, God shows up and God does the right things. You know, when I look at the Christian community today, the most gaping need I see is that there's no community. It's too busy. And they got the wrong people 
speaking into their lives. You know, if the, most, if the five most dominant voices aren't moving you closer to God, then your possibilities have just been capped. But when you have the right people that are there inspiring you to take next steps towards God's truth, and they're praying for you, and they're encouraging you, watch out, because lives are going to change. Because when two or more gather, there I am among them. Listen, you want stronger finances? We don't have an app for that. We have a small group. It's called Financial Peace University. You get around people that know how to handle their finances biblically. You want to get physically and spiritually fit at the same time? iFit can't help you with that. But we have, we have Zumba, we have ReFit, and we have a Daniel plan. And they can help you do both. You know, um, if you want to get closer to God, you got to gather with the right people. You need to join a small group. Look, if we don't have a small group you're looking for, start one. You can do ESPN. You know, just group with the people you're already grouping with. You probably got people you're, you're grouping with. Just gather them together for the right reasons. Because where two or more gather as my followers, there I am among them. Next week, we're hosting a special Christmas edition of our growth track. So here's the deal. If you want to be a small group leader or a support coach, take growth track. We're not offering a growth track event this Sunday, but next Sunday at 1.30, we're going to offer 101 Church. And then we're going to follow that up at 3 o'clock p.m. with 201 Essentials. And then December 20th, we're going to do 301 Discovery at 1.30, followed by 401 Dream Team. So you can do two growth tracks in one Sunday afternoon. You can take them all in two weeks. You can fast track through growth track. And when you get to 401 Dream Team, just say, hey, I want to be a small group leader. I want to be a support coach. And you just take the the small group orientation. I'll be there. And and, uh, Al Moore, my coach of support coaches, he'll be there. And and we'll get you kicked off in the right direction. You know, and if if you don't want to be a small group leader or a support coach, join one of our, our other dream teams. You know, get plugged in, get on the team. But no matter which dream team you join, you're going to be encouraged to get into a small group. Why is that? Because you need heart and soul people. And when God's people gather for the right reasons, God shows up and the right things happen. Let's pray together. Lord, today is that day. Today, your word has opened our minds to your truth and our hearts receive it. Father, we recognize our need for right relationships in our life. Father, we thank you we have a place, a church that values right relationships. Help us to prioritize our lives around your purposes. Lord, we ask that you would give us more of your power and your presence in our lives and in our groups. Father, bless us. Bless us with with life change. As your heads are still bowed, maybe you're here today, and today today is the day you start a right relationship with Jesus Christ because that's where it starts. Our our, our theme verse says, for where two or more gather as my followers, there I am with them. Become a follower of Jesus Christ today. 
just pray this prayer with me quietly with all your heart and all your mind. Just say, Lord, I don't want to be like King Saul and be known for my disobedience and arrogance. I want to be like Jonathan and say, today's the day. I'm done with my way. I'm sick of it. Jesus, I want you to be my leader and my forgiver. Help me to love you and to love, love others more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.